welcome to the Plus Six Podcast. My name is Pete, and I go by the name of AFL Ratings Pete on Twitter. Welcome to a man you know on Twitter as JeppaDT. Welcome to the show, Jep. Hey, Pete. Just over 48 hours away from the start of the 2022 home and away season. How are you feeling? Yeah, excited. Really, really looking forward to for footy to be back and finally um, get rid of this uh, fantasy pre-season, hey? It's been a long one. Yeah, it's certainly been a long one, plenty of research, and that's what we're going to do in this pod. It's a pretty lengthy pod, but we've got plenty of intel to come in. So let's get into it. So as always, make necessary adjustments as news comes to hand, and 2022 will certainly be uh, full of that. So make necessary adjustments because, you know, we're talking 12 hours after a pod's recorded, you know, that could be out of date for some particular players and of course the news continues to be crushed out on AFR ratings network the content is free likes and retweets are always appreciated so Jep how comfortable are you with your round one team uh, very comfortable at the moment actually which is surprising normally I stress at this time of year but no everything's looking solid pretty well balanced and yeah just waiting for teams to be named to make those final tinkers yeah, last pod for me, I thought it was pretty comfortable, and I've made one adjustment since. So, yeah, my, my team is not changing unless significant news breaks this week ahead of round one. All right, debut announcements will have an impact on team selection. So that's our squad selection this week. Uh, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, for sure. I, I want to just recommend to the listeners that um, the pricier rookies is, is better to have and um, that's easy to, to drop down if you, if you need to or can so just be balanced there we don't, we don't want to start changing primos to save 30 grand to um, top up a top up a rook so plan for that now before teams are announced yeah keep a big watch out for players that are currently sidelined that are due to come back in so that's really critical so we're going to get a bunch of de- debuts I presume this week uh, if not for a debut for a new club, but you've really got to see who is on the solo and who's due to come back early in the season. So that's really critical when you're talking about players under 300k. Um, yeah, so that's the most important thing for me is, you know, I might bypass a particular player knowing that, you know, that they could be on a one to two week limit based on a certain um, more influential player for a team to come back in. So just keep an eye out for that. Alrighty. Gorn and Grundy combo or an alternative for you this year? Uh, it's the Gorn and Grundy combo at the moment. I think for the last seven days I've played with alternatives and tried to work it in a way where the you know the extra spend from not um, pricing up on Gorn, but I just can't make it work comfortably for me. So at the moment it's Gorn and Grundy. I do have another option. Um, with Grundy and Marshall that I am happy with. So, again, it just depends on team selection now and, and how we make these final adjustments and tinkers. Yeah, I'm on the alternative. So I said last pod as well that I really wanted both, but I'm on the alternative to start the season. We'll see how that lands again. Um, and the, the, the biggest thing I found was, uh, the difficulty I found was fitting what I wanted to fit in. And the last player to get compromised was at that ruck position so I was happy to um, jump off the more expensive types and we'll see where that lands throughout the year. Alrighty, have you kept an eye on your buy structure over the last week when you've been making adjustments? Oh for sure, that's been at the forefront of my mind. There's a lot of round 14 and round 12 primos that are um, on my list and, and that I'm keen on so you just need to make sure you balance that for sure at the start. 
Uh, definitely for me, I got lucky. I did my team first, not even thinking about buyers. That's the way I wanted to build my team pre-season. Got really lucky. It was really balanced. Um, and, yeah, so it's still balanced right now. So all good for me, but, yeah, keep an eye on that as well. Um, you, you can go a little bit heavy in one week or another week, but just keep in mind your trading strategy is going to have to be based around what you're going to have available over that period of the year. Alrighty, it's critical to have captain options. Your thoughts on that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I've got three. Um, I've actually arguably four. So, no, no, that that is double points and an important part of the game. So that's again always been at the forefront of my mind. You just can't rely on one or two. I think you need to broaden it a little bit more. Yeah. So. Uh, absolutely critical to have those higher ceiling players in there to have you know more than just the one option and keep in mind if you're trying to loop uh, some captain scores from vice captain you're pretty much going to have to need a confirmed non-starter um, in your team each week so yeah just keep an eye out for those who are not quite around that alrighty how are you planning the week this week ahead of round one um, it's definitely set your team before the Wednesday lockout. Uh, that has to be a big tick. Um, my team is well balanced, like I said before, and it's really a mix of the players that we've been keeping an eye on all pre-season. There's no real surprises. I've got one or two left field picks only, um, and I'm, that's how I'm going to keep it this year. I think that's the better option and... And without um, taking too many risks at the start of the year, I'm, I'm very happy where it's at. Yeah, for me, it's just monitoring news. Obviously, I do that quite a lot. Um, and also, I list Wednesday to Sunday the players that are in my squad, so when they are up for a game. And then if there are any late-breaking news, that I know what's behind them, so where I can go into any particular player, especially into round one where you... You know, you have unlimited uh, movements available. So it's just really critical knowing when your players are going to play and what alternatives you do have, um, especially into round one. Yeah, that's good planning, mate. I uh, I would just have the backup options, so plan for, for a change. But I think for us and, and the listeners, we don't really want to be changing primos. That's what I'm really big on. You've done the research on the primos, you you followed your heart, and um, it's no no point changing out primos now at the 11th hour. Yeah, so the, the, my thought process there was that if anyone in particular, you know, if is really important to my team right now, if, if you know, obviously we're dealing with a COVID situation this year as well, so if, if all of a sudden one of those pops up, I, I've got a bit of a plan where I want to go. So, And that's going to be really important, I think, each week, just to plan out each day and to know what's behind and where you want to send your trades because we are limited for trades. Uh, so that's why your squad is really important this this year, and I think you're really going to have to go a little bit deeper because we'll, I, I presume we're going to be impacted pretty heavily as well. Alrighty, we are talking AFL Fantasy Season Long Classic Mode. Uh, this discussion is pre-round one. We will discuss team by team. This podcast has been recorded on Monday afternoon, Melbourne time, uh, March 14, and it's in the morning for Jet. Alrighty. There will be no Monday pod this year, so that content will now move on to aflratings.com.au, so keep attention there for just news and notes each week and for each player as well. Again, make necessary adjustments as news comes to hand. Okay, Jeb, we've got 125 players here. Might get a couple more in there as well as we go, uh, so let's get into it. We're going to be pretty brief 
with our comments. So uh, obviously there's a lot of content to listen to here. So we're going to make it really short and snappy and get on with it so you can make decisions based on your round one team. Alrighty, Adelaide, Matt Crouch, your thoughts? Yeah, no, still like him and um, he's got a big role to play for Adelaide this year. So he's still a very, very good option. No, Rory led early, so you've got to imagine he's going to see high centre bounce usage. you really got to know that interrupted pre-season, so how much do you want to factor that into your decision-making? I think his midfield usage is going to be high. I like the pick. Okay, Jordan Dawson, so he struggled interrupted pre-season with calf injury, so uh, for me, I'm just going to straight rule out Dawson. Thoughts, Jeff? Yeah, we have to, unfortunately. He was one I was really keen on, but any soft tissue question marks um, over injury is just not the way to start the game this year, I think. I think once the season gets going, if he looks pretty good, I, I think it becomes a, a trade target pretty quickly. Already Mitch Hinge, don't really know where Mitch Hinge is at, so uh, maybe we wait to later in the week to see team selection to see where that settles for me on Hinge, Jeff. I think he plays. I, I, I thought he offered a lot in the Amy game as a defensive wingman, sort of the first wingman that pushed back and helped the back six. So he's definitely got his role set. It's not a high-scoring role for fantasy, unfortunately, and that's why we'll just let it rest. So Rory Laird's out injured, but this is, you know, he's going to have pretty full, full fitness still up when he returns, just a matter of his hand healing, dealing with a broken hand. So I think there's a pretty unique target with a high-selling type player when he gets back on ground. So just keep that in mind, put him on your watch list to trade target throughout the Egypt. Yeah, absolutely. It's just one later on. Yeah, Wayne uh, Miller, so uh, just got to wait and see on team selection this week. So he, we didn't see him in the preseason. So a little bit of a risk there associated with that. So, again, we'll see how this week flushes out with regards to news. And there are a few alternatives around his price range anyway, Jeff. Yeah, it's another one that's unfortunate, isn't it, that um, we probably could have had. But, yeah, we'll just wait for the during the season see where he's at. Riley O'Brien, big pre-season from O'Brien. I think he's going to score quite well this year. He is an option for me, Jeff. Yeah, he's definitely still an option. It his Amy game was much better than the Pracky game, obviously. And, look, you've got to back him in. I feel like he's one. I, reading between the lines, you can see he wants to be the best he can be, and he's not going to die wondering. So that's a big tick in my book. Josh Rosselli, so we can roster him in the forward line. I think he should almost be started on field. Um, uh, his job security is pretty good there as well, Jet. For me, it's a big tick. Yeah, big tick from me too, mate. He's a, he's a very, very good player. Harry Schoenberg, I don't think the scoring is right there with regards to consistent high scoring type games. So for me, it's just a pass at the moment. Yeah, likewise. Yeah, Brisbane, let's move on to. So Noah Answorth, so he's going to be uh, in that Brisbane team, I presume. Um, his scoring is actually pretty solid. So he's an option if you want to be paying down off those uh, high scoring type defenders. Yeah. Uh, he's got a similar role to Hinge, actually, the way I'm reading it. Uh, and if he goes to half-back with the injuries that Brisbane have had. So, yeah, def- again, got a role to play for the Lions. He's a lot cheaper than Hinge, so it's it's another option for sure, given that we're so depleted in the back line. Yeah, so Zach Bailey should see a little bit more midfield uses this year. For me, just too inconsistent at this stage, Jeff. Unfortunately, isn't it? He's a jet. He's just not the accumulator we need for fantasy. So, yeah, the role and what his impact will be for the Lions won't suit us, I don't think. Yeah, Jared Berry next up. So I think he's emerging as quite a pretty good scoring midfielder. So it's just a matter, you know, he's going to be very low low owned there as well. But I think 
Yeah, I'm just happy to avoid it at this stage of his career, but, you know, then in the future, uh, he might be a target for us, Jim. It's that price, isn't it, Pete? It's just a little bit too awkward, and um, you can probably spend it better elsewhere. Yeah, and speaking about price, Jared Lyon, so he's pretty high price tag there, but, you know, if, if we want to get Bailey into the middle of the ground, if we want to get Rainer into the middle of the ground, McCluggy's in, in that conversation there as well, and a couple of others, and Zorko's yet to come back, you know, Lions might be impacted, I think, towards the back end of the season and, and the finals for Brisbane. I think Lions is in there at a heavy, heavy rate, but I just think throughout the season, let's just pace ourselves, and once we get to those finals, it's, it's full-line attack and try and win a premiership for Brisbane. So, for me, price tag, Lions, I'm out. 100% agree with all what you said, bud. Uh, McCluggage, so he's pretty much around that 100 average, and I think that's what you're uh, paying for. Um, no real high ceiling games uh, on a consistent basis for me, so you know if you want to pay up for McCluggage, you're getting that, but you're getting the scores as well. So not much value there for me. He's an option, but not for me. He is getting more centre bounce um, attendances, and I, I feel like that will be a little bit of a trend more this year. Nothing too crazy in terms of the numbers, but. Yeah, probably up on five points on his average from last year, and that's not enough. Lockie Neal, so he's going to be highly owned at round one, and I think, you know, I'll speak a lot about that top 10,000 coaches who can win the AFL finish overall. I think we might be looking at about 80%, 70 to 80%, which is quite high. Now, that's obviously not as what AFL fantasy platform is telling you, but, you know, we're t- dealing with a pretty much a high top level uh, conversation here so for me it's going to be heavy usage if you want to jump on someone someone else it's okay but i think there's pretty good value in his salary chip oh for sure we we harp on discounted premiums and um and Lockie neil fits that bill he's done everything right this pre-season and as you know i love a player that's out of contract okay cam rayner so we didn't see him throughout the the pre-season games unfortunately so um it's really you know a shot in the dark here on Rayner now he's going to see some midfield increase there as well but he's really had a poor scoring rate previously so there is going to be a stack of forward usage still so for me I am out on that yeah I'm out too I still believe he's Rayner is an impact player, not an accumulator, so not going to do us any favours. Yeah, Daniel Rich can get up, got up towards 100 average last year, so he's an option out of defence, takes a stack of kick-ins, um, so he's an option throughout the year, maybe even round one if you want to go go with that, but you're paying for that right now, so um, stack of kick-ins there, so maybe an option throughout the year. He's up there in eight, so if you if that's against what you uh, believe in spe- selecting a fantasy team, uh, he's a negative, but you know he's an option throughout the year for me, Jeff. Yeah, very good option. We'll be pushing the top eight defenders, no doubt, um, top six as well. Uh, but, yeah, what are we getting? Is he discounted premium? No, he's not. So it's a pass. Yeah, Dane Zorko. So he's due to come back in, I would presume, at round one. So we'll see how that flushes out this week. So uh, for me, based on that injury-interrupted uh, preseason out, and when you're talking about Achilles, and this has gone back for the last couple of years with his Achilles stuff, I uh, had a surgery there recently as well. So for me, it's just a definite out. And if he starts going well, even throughout the year, I just still might be out on him all year, Jeff. Yeah, likewise. It's just it's a wait and see, isn't it? Let's... We've probably got the beauty of the position if he gets defender status or something like that, if he plays halfbacks. So we just wait and let it play out. 
Yeah, so just on that halfback thing, so it was obviously reported in the media that he's going to go to a halfback. So listening to him on multiple press conferences, that he did say that he didn't get the run into his legs over pre-season. So what they thought, and in numbers with regards to their sports sport science team, was that, you know, over pre-season and throughout games, the guys off halfback run a lot more than other players in the team. So the thought process there is, this is what Zorko was saying, is that, all right, stick me at halfback so I can get the run into my legs over pre-season, rather than just being in the middle and get less kilometres into my legs. So uh, he said that. Fagan also said that as well. So we've just got to see how that plays out. I'm not really sold that that's going to be halfback. Michael Wilding also said that as well. So, you know, that halfback thing for me is not real at the stage. Now, the one thing also added into that is that the Lions fell short last year for injuries and, and other stuff, but they really want flexibility in their squad. So when they have some injuries into certain type of areas of the ground, you know, they might, you know, if they have issues across halfback, you know, well, Coleman got injured, so that means Zorko might go in there. So it's an option. They're playing with it, and we'll see how that flushes out this year, but I don't think that's a big role halfback for Zorko. All right, let's move on to Carlton Jeff. Adam Chera, well, you know, you got Walsh to come back into that team. You've got Cripps there as well. Um, for me, I just, you know, the ceiling might be limited just a touch. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he starts going off, but, yeah, just for round one, I'm out. Yeah, it's, you're picking him for the 22 rounds, aren't you? And the dynamics of, of what happens when Walsh returns is a bit of an unknown. So when you're spending that much money and, and it's a high-risk pick and all for it, you know, kudos to the coaches that are going to do it, but I'm not. Yeah, Patrick Cripps uh, showing up monster value in my spreadsheet. So uh, I think uh, it's pretty good. He can average over 100 quite easily, uh, 105 even tops. Uh, there, thereabouts, maybe even higher if he goes right off. Uh, Walsh has to come back into that team, but I think this is a big year ahead for Cripps. Uh, for anyone that says he's going to pick Cripps, I uh, say, great, let's go. So for me, a big tick right here. Yeah, absolutely. There's um, there's no doubt in my mind he's the midfielder you want that's priced in the 600s. Uh, Sam Doherty, I'm just uh, pretty much going to wait on Doherty to see how he goes, even if he plays in round one for me, Jeff. Yeah, and that, again, that's uh, let's wait and see. He's obviously had an interrupted preseason and um, had his battles off the field. So give him time, get him working up to, to peak fitness, and positionally we get a good look at him too. Okay, George Hill, this is one player that's going to be have a little bit of ownership here as well. So he's going to see some centre bounce usage uh, quite early, and his scores could actually be quite good. Now, the one thing we've got to factor in here as well is Matt Kennedy's in the frame really much, in that frame for a contested top midfielder. And again, Voss has spoken all throughout pre-season that contested top game. And it's not just in the, uh, uh, the middle of the ground at centre bounces. It's uh, around a contest throughout the ground. And is it at stoppages? More importantly, it's at stoppages. So Kennedy's one of those players that could thrive under Voss. So where does that uh, leave Hewitt? And Walsh has to come back into that team with regards to the centre bounces. So uh, for me, this might not be a really long-term solo play, but initially I think it could be okay. No, I, I think it's a great play. <clears throat> I think what Voss wants to do is put all these contested balls at the ball and his focus is winning the ball the, the first. So there were times in the Amy game where he had Cripps, Kennedy and Hewitt at a lot of set of bounces together. Um, Chera was pushed out to a wing a lot and they Voss just, the mantra is win the contested ball at mm. all costs. So even when Walsh comes back, I think he's going to play a lot outside as well. So I, I'm really bullish on Hewitt. I think he's going to be a great pick and, um, yeah, expecting big things at a discounted price. Alrighty. 
let's get I was speaking about Sam Walsh so he's probably maybe rounds two three or four in that range so yeah just keep an eye out for when he returns now uh, he can score so once he gets back to full fitness he's going to be quite low owned so there might be a target there for us to jump over to at some stage but you've got to take into account that he's had an injury this pre-season as well all right let's go on to Collingwood Taylor Adams now the Magpies have stressed all pre-season the, the chipping around holding onto the ball less inside 50s is it's over it's not happening so does that shave a few points off Adams you know he has had his injury issues in the past so for me for all those reasons I am out on Adams right interesting I no, I think he's the main man in there I think they've been conservative with him over the pre-season to be soft tissue history um, but no, there's there's 100 plus scores coming from Adams each week in my opinion. Uh, he'll be number one at the Magpies for centre bounces, and he's inside contestable. So uh, for for all those reasons, uh, lo- like him. But for the other reasons I just mentioned, I am out. Okay, Nick Dacos, I think it's high scores here. You know, I said 85, 90 average. That's a possible. Um, he's a high ball winner, and it, he will be pretty much nearly 100% owned for quite a lot of that 10,000. Yeah, no-brainer. Just plan ahead for when he gets defender status in round six. Okay, Jordan Degoe. So I think there's still going to be a stack of uh, forward usage here. He will be used at centre bounces, and I think it'll be at a decent rate. But whether that's enough to keep the scores going, not too sure. Now, his scores started to really flourish last year, and this was in a stage where... um, Buckley was out as senior coach, so the Magpies just continued to chip that around. So that's where his scores got really inflated. So uh, we were taking that out again. Collingwood going to efficient ball movement, as again as most teams are, but especially Collingwood from where they were is going to be a drastic change in their numbers. So hanging onto the ball, chipping the ball around, that's where his scores in, were inflated last year. That's not happening this year. So I think um, for those reasons, I am out on Dugowie. Spot on again, Pete. As always, that's uh, that's the reason why I'm off him. It's not um, not in Collingwood's game style to to hold the ball anymore. So whether he kicks more goals as a result is another question. But he he won't kick goals consistently like three, four a game. So yeah, I'm out too. Yeah, Brody Grundy should be a high-scoring ruck. Uh, I'll put up the top 10 rucks on afrratings.com.au yesterday, and I had him at number one. So I expect a big year from Grundy, and he's certainly should be in a frame to be starting in a round one squad check. Oh, for sure. You know, he had a poor year last year and still averaged 106. So um, I thought last year was one of his worst years on, on record, and, and he still scored incredibly well in a fantasy sense. So he's a must-have. So Pat Lipinski injured his ankle uh, in the Amy Community Series, so apparently he's almost good to go for round one, so we'll see how that flushes out this week. So for that reason, for a little bit of an ankle in pre-season, I am just straight out on Lipinski, Jep. Yeah, I'm still okay with it. He looked like he was running well from what Collingwood posted during the week last week. It um, obviously comes very cheap, and he's going to have highest and bounce usage. So there's a lot to value pick here, but... Can you spend that money a little bit better? I'd probably prefer Cripps. John Noble is going to get a little bit of a running gun action off that halfback line for the Magpies, but yeah, inconsistent scoring there for me, Jeff. Yeah, and that's passed for me. Scott Penelbury. So this might be one we can wait on to for the first lot of upgrades. So a halfback usage should be high, Jeff. Yeah, that, exactly. Let's wait and see and, and see how it plays out. The role, we get a good six weeks to look at how he's going. Just keep in mind he's 34 years old, so can he play 22 games also? 
onto Essendon. So Harrison Jones injured, going to miss uh, up to potentially about the first month of the season. So opportunity also uh, instantly available at the Bombers. So Kane Baldwin could be one of those. He's an option for us, Jeff. He is. I'm usually against picking $190,000 key position players, um, but given the situation we're in with the lack of rooks, he he should feature for for most of our teams anyway. I'm just going to jump ahead on our spreadsheet here, Jip. So Nick Martin would be in that conversation as well, okay. depending on how they want to set up with their team. So they might, you know, if Stringer's to come in, he might spend more time forward. Therefore, Nick Martin can go up into a, so a half forward, half you know, wing or whatever midfield type role he can do. So, that you know, keep him on the radar as well for potentially an option, you know, if Stringer plays more forward. So that's also possible as well. All right, so let's get on to Jai Caldwell. So uh, going through our discussions throughout the podcast this year, Jip, so we'll probably put him at, you know, four slash five in that centre bounce rotation. I think he'll get a, a pretty decent rate and he will be at stoppages around the ground as well. So it's just whether, you know, he is value for me based on his starting salary, but, you know, we can't have them all. So is he one that we're going to say no on based on we can't have them all? He's the one I'm losing sleep over, mate. I feel like I'm going to miss out here. I don't have him in my side at the moment, but he's huge value. And forget the centre balance usage, he's pushing up as that extra midfielder. So... Yeah, those owners that are going to do it, well done. I just can't make it work with my structure. Yeah, he's very good. I don't disagree with that. Alrighty, let's get on to Sam Draper. So, you know, at some stage he's going to break out with his scores. Hopefully, uh, is it this year? We don't know. I'm not too sure just yet. Uh, But certainly he's number one ruck at Essendon. Yeah, he is, but he doesn't do enough in the fantasy sense around the ground, so we can't do it. Okay, onto Zach Merritt. High ceiling, high scoring type player. Uh, plenty of centre bounces, plenty of midfield. Can win a lot of ball on the inside or the outside for many high ceiling games are still available this year, Jeff. Yeah, he's a safe pick, isn't he? Um, and I actually like that he's going to play a little bit behind the ball more. He did that last year as well, by the way. And um, But it, that just allows free-flowing scores and kicks and they go to him a lot. So nothing will change for Merritt in terms of his output. Darcy Parrish moved into that midfield last year due to injury, but actually worked out quite well for the Bombers. He absolutely starred. Uh, there's no step back here for me. I think he'll be in that midfield at a higher rate this year uh, for Darcy Parrish. I like the pickle. I like it. Yeah, I like it too. I really like it as well. It's just whether he's first tag now above Merritt or not. Um, yeah, I, I don't think you're going to go wrong picking Parrish. I just think it's going to be a bit of a roller coaster with scores sometimes. You're going to get, you know, the 130 ceiling games, which are great, but then other games you might only get 85, 90, and that might sting. Okay, on to Jordan Ridley. So, in a set type defender role this year. So, he's an option. His price is actually not bad. Uh, yeah, just throw him in the mix, and if he pops out as one of your picks, that's great. I don't mind it. Uh, but, yep, just another option for us, Jeff. Yeah, look, he I compare him very similar to Sicily and Sicily's over 100 grand cheaper. So, I think he's 170 grand cheaper or something like that. So, I'd prefer Sicily in that instance. Okay, let's get on the Fremantle. So, uh, for me, as I've said on Fremantle on West Coast throughout the pre-season, uh, early in the pre-season, anyone over 300k except for one player, I'm totally out on. So, you're going to have to go back to listen to the early pods of the pre-season to find out why. So, uh, Andrew Brayshaw, for me, his midfield usage is quite solid. I think his scores are pretty well. A um, little bit upside potentially in his price. Uh, he's an option if you want to be spending on West Coast and Fremantle players, Jeff. 
Yeah, I'm very keen on him now, especially after the Nat Fife news. I feel like, well, initially I was worried that Brazier was first tag at Frio, but Nat Fife's put his hand up, he's going to be in the engine room 100%, so Brazier's just going to tick-tack off him. Um, let Fife do the hard ball and hard work, and, and he's going to have that free-flowing scoring inside-outside game. So I'm really, really big on Brayshaw this year, and he's in my side. Okay, so that's the thing we've talked about on this pod, is that the number two can potentially... Exactly. Score, the, the number two can potentially be a, a good scoring target for us, because, you know, if, if if the number one is potential to get a tag throughout the year, you know, the number two never gets a look in for a tag, so you know, Brayshaw could be that number two so I don't mind the pick, but again, I'll just reiterate, anyone, bar one player over 300k for Fremantle West Coast, I am completely out on alright, and that's this player right here, it's Will Brody so, Fife is the Fife is to come back into the middle of the ground and into the middle of the ground at a high rate. So Darcy didn't get a look at injured, whether he gets up for round one, not too sure. So we yet to look at the full complement and see that flushes out for Brody. I still think it's going to be decent midfield usage. I couldn't have been more impressed for what he did in those practice matches in the Amy Community Series. Now, the one thing that we have sort of acknowledged as well in this podcast is that he has his second role. And listening to Justin Longmuir over pre-season, he actually specified that uh, on Will Brody, you know, we've got to find him a second role or we've got to find him a primary role with the second role. You know, I think his midfield, this is what Longmuir was saying, he can play in the midfield, but we need to find him that secondary role. But Longmuir added, he's already got that. He can go forward. So for me, I think his best 22, it's just the amount of midfield usage we're going to see for Brody. But I think based on his starting salary there, Jeb, it's just way too much value to ignore. Exactly. Um, I think he's best 22 as well. He's a rotational player. He might not have high time on ground overall as well, but it's a definitely a mix of forward and, and, and midfield. The problem is if he doesn't play well, he's probably in line to get dropped because of the depth they got at that side, especially in the midfield. So, you know, guys like O'Driscoll will be waiting in the wings, putting all ounces of pressure on him for his spot, and there's plenty of others, even the youngsters that were drafted last year. So you've got to just keep that in mind um, with Brody. But again, at $387,000, with a role like that and his scoring potential, it's pretty hard to say no. Yeah, that's exactly the point I was going to hit on to finish up on Brody. Is that yeah, that, you know, with obviously the, the Dockers invested a lot of um, draft assets in mids, and they've got some options that are already on their list to come in for that midfield. So you know, Fremantle want to push for finals this year. So you know, if his form drops really quickly, that's a bit of a um, situation for us. But I think you know, based on his preset late preseason, their Amy Community Series practice matches was really big. It was high quality for me. So you know, if he can maintain that form, I think it's a really Good pick. All right, let's move on to Heath Chapman. So he's going to uh, be taking a lot of plus sixes. Yep, plus six podcast uh, across halfback. Um, plenty of um, usage across halfback in the defence for the Dockers. Jep. So for me, I don't mind the pick. But how many players do we want around that? You know, three fifty, four hundred, five hundred k in our team. It, yeah, I can understand why there's a liking to Heath Chapman, but I still feel like um, Hayden Young. Luke Ryan are the main distributors from halfback, and I don't think Chapman's going to get as much ball as people think, so I'm out. Already on to Sean Darcy. So if if he had a full uninterrupted preseason, I'd be pretty much all in. But again, I'll reiterate, it's you know, anyone over 300k, I am out on from West Coast and Fremantle. So 
we've seen high ceiling games from Darcy last year, and he wasn't actually fully fit. So, God, can you imagine what he's going to do if this guy gets through and just smashes out a home and away season for us? He actually, I wouldn't even rule out him being number one. So I wouldn't be surprised if he just crushes out a monster average. But the one thing that we really got to acknowledge here, he's had a little bit of an interrupted preseason as well. Uh, for everything I've just said, um, I would love to pick him, but I'm just not going to, Jim. Yeah, I'd love to pick him as well, mate. It's uh, yeah, it's too risky. I, I felt like we were on edge all last year when when I had him, and we didn't know whether he was playing or or, or going to have a rest. And he, he pushed through, um, and he pushed through a lot of injuries. So that's a, probably a positive in in ways, but. You know, you want to pick players at their full potential, and Darcy's probably fitness-wise not right there yet. Yeah, so I do those uh, live game day tweets. So it's just obviously watch every game throughout every season, and obviously update injuries as they happen. Any information I put out there as well. I think it was my most used name last year was Sean Darcy. This Sean Darcy, that Sean Darcy off the ground. I think it was number one. So yeah, just got to keep that into account. Already Nat Five, so we haven't seen him in preseason. So he had multiple shoulder surgeries. So he's going to be in that midfield quite a lot. Uh, for me, I'm definitely out, but, you know, he comes into that team, and let's reference back to Andrew Brayshaw, that it could be good for Brayshaw, but for me, I'm out on five, Jeff. Yeah, I'm out on five, too. There's, there's no way that's happening. Yeah, Luke Ryan, so uh, you did mention him there just previously. So uh, the Dockers are actually fully healthy in defence, so that's really critical when we uh, sum up how Ryan is going to score. Last year, the Dockers did struggle for numbers in defence, but now they are fully stacked. So when if they are fully stacked, he could be that big outlet type player for us, Chip. Oh, absolutely no doubt. And, and oh, again, it's probably about sharing the ball and how much usage Luke Ryan actually gets amongst all of them. They're all great kickers. I forgot to mention um, Jordan Clark as well. So they've got a plural of them in the side, and they're all going to be at high use. So. How does that affect scores? It's Again, it's probably one week of a, of a tonne from Luke Ryan and the next it's a 75. Already onto Caleb Strong. So he's top three centre-bounces for me at Fremantle this year for sure. So just whether he can take his game to the next level. He did say in a few weeks few weeks ago in an interview that you know he wants to get rid of pretty much what he I'll sum up what he said he wants to get rid of those tagging duties and just focus on winning the ball so hopefully that plays out this year if that's the case I think he can elevate his scoring uh this year Jeff. oh I, I I yeah I'm still very big on him I think him and Cripps in that 600 price range other other go-tos so there's, he's going to get more time on ground I have no doubt about that Freeman always have a set plan with their youth and, and their development from a from a fitness point of view and, and um, health science point of view. So he's getting more time on ground. He's going to do great things. He's a value pick. He's ticking a lot of boxes. Okay, let's get on to Geelong. So Sam DeConning. So he's going to be in that mix for round one. So uh, Henderson goes out of that team. So that's pretty much he's been identified as that type of role. So the scores won't be great, but might be enough. And when we're limited for options in defence, Jeppe yeah. might be an option if he gets named. Yeah, I think he does play. I think he's got a, a role this year again for Geelong, which is which is nice for them to blood some youth for once. It is his scoring ability, so he's he's a bench backup, isn't he? On to Patrick Dangerfield. So for me, based on his age, uh, pretty much not his injury history, but his potential for injuries. Uh, it's pretty much high for me and my assumption of what he can do. Um, he can score, no doubt about that. If he's stacked in that midfield quite a lot, you know, he might be of interest throughout the year, but not for me at round one, Jeff. 
Not for me. There's going to be times where he scores over a ton, but I just don't think he can consistently perform this year, even if he has more of a midfield role. Yeah, Mitch Duncan, the next player up here. So massive injury interrupted preseason. So it might be one where we can wait on him for quite a few weeks. And once he gets back to full fitness, so um, he can score quite well. So he's a target for us in that forward line, Jeff. But I would want to see a couple of weeks first. Yeah, for sure. As as would I. And um, yeah, it's a no-brainer, really. He's going to be up there in the top six forwards at some point. It's just when we jump Cam Guthrie going to be used for that Geelong midfield quite a lot. So for me, he's in that mix of everyone you can pick around that price. So for me, um, he's just in that mix, and but I won't be going with him. No, he's, a, he's still a good pick and, and got a good buy as well. So uh, he's been on my radar a little bit this preseason, but unfortunately not going there. So Zach Guthrie is in the frame there as well. So for me, the price is just a little bit too elevated for me to be interested here. Yeah, as, as with me, it, it, it would be nice. If he was probably 100 grand cheaper, I probably would have done it. But, um, yeah, not, not at 500-odd K. Tom Stewart, he's our general in defence for Geelong, so he will control uh, the ball coming out. He'll be taking intercept marks, so the scoring should be strong. I've got him in, like, 95 to 100 uh, point average uh, on au for top 10 defenders. So get on there and have a look. So I think it should be strong. He's an option. Did have that footage issue late last year but he's ready to go now uh, he's in that mix and at some stage i think i'm going to own him this year Jeff. yeah i think i will too but i'm not going to start him cooper stevens he's right in that frame for a round one selection let's see how that flushes out this week so i've locked what he did in the preseason, and it's not really actually looking at his scores it's looking at what he does at stoppages so is he in the right positions how does he handle his opponents is he hunting the ball how's his clearance getting out of those stoppages is it clean is he ready to go for me it's all ticks so it's just whether Chris Scott can find him a spot in that 22. Uh, hopefully it's not a um, sub. Uh, I'd be, well, I wouldn't be actually happy with that because I think um, I think he's going to be quality pick for us to hit Jeff. Likewise, I agree. I think he's got a lot to offer Geelong, and they need to start thinking for the next phase of their side. So he's definitely a big part of that, and I think he gets some pretty good time. There'll probably be a, a mix of, of vested games or medical sub games amongst full games, so we just need to ride that way, but he's definitely a bench option for most of us. Okay, Gold Coast, let's get on to them. So Noah Anderson, he's just in that mix of players around his price that you could select. So for me, I'm just going to look elsewhere. So uh, not a bad pick. There is upside, I believe, in his salary. Uh, but for me, I'm just avoiding that at round one, Jet. Yeah, I'm avoiding it too, mate. It's unfortunate. I do like his blend of inside and outside game, especially with Rao, his best mate, feeding it out to him too. So, yeah, it's a no from me as well. So onto Tuke Miller. So I did those top 10 midfielders on afrratings.com.au yesterday. Go on to there and have a look. I ranked him number one. I actually ranked him ahead of Jack Steele. Um, now, I've got a projected average of 120 to 125. So I think I think those scores are going to be strong this year again. And with Rowling there as well, assisting him and getting in that midfield there as well, I think it's actually could be even a good combination to start with with regards to Rowling and Miller. 
But back onto Miller, I just think his high ceiling games are going to be uh, pretty consistent this year. And if you really want some leverage over those that are taking the steal option, I'd be heading straight to Tuke Miller if you want to spend up that much. Now, obviously, you can avoid both of those and get onto players at a lower salary that can hit ceiling games. But for me, uh, he's a number one target for me this year, Jeff. Yeah, the way I see the whole Raul Miller-Anderson relationship working is they had the Hugh Greenwood in last year as well. So effectively, Raul's replacing the Hugh Greenwood role, the hard first ball getter, and, and Took's going to do much of the same as he did last year. So, yeah, POD definitely um, going to have high ceiling games. So that captain option is going to push you really far ahead and get you that little leg up. So I like it a lot. So just just on a little bit of leverage talk here, Jeff. So for that, you know, I think steel is going to be actually, you know, 40 to 50% in that top 10,000. It's not going to be over the top, but I think a lot of people are going to head there because they see the ceiling games of what he has done in the last couple of years, and they think they want a piece of that. You know, Tuke Miller's just right there, and I have him ahead of steel. You know, it's obviously by, you know, one or two points, but it's not that big a deal. But, you know... If it doesn't go well for Steele this year, you could be sitting on Miller, um, you know, with lower ownership, and I don't think he's going to be that high, highly owned. So the one thing that I really am seeing uh, for those two people that do put their teams up through social media and that, and, and again, that's another story for the last podcast, is that, you know, the Steele option is there, and I don't see uh, Toot Miller there in many of them. But what I do see with regards to people building their squads is that we're going to have a stack of players the same. So our teams are going to be due. Jeb, you and I, so obviously we've got 30 players in there as well. I think, you know, we could have 20 of the same. So where are you going to find your difference in your team that could give you an edge throughout the season? So I think that's really critical. Obviously, most of our rookies are going to be the same with the limited options there at round one. But where are you going to find the difference? And again, it's not just, you know, obviously, top 100 hat and... I'll give you out a jumper for whoever finishes at 101st if you follow AFR ratings on Twitter. But it's not we're not chasing that. We're chasing number one, and that's what this podcast is about. So where are you going to find that difference? So for me, uh, I would, wouldn't be starting at 30, 40 to 50% on Jack Steele. I'd, I'd be heading over to a similar type scoring player, and it would be Tuke Miller. Mate, I agree with you. It's... Callum Mills is another one that I'm sort of – we talk about the risky picks at the start of the podcast, one or two, nothing crazy, but Callum Mills is one that can give another leg up, and we'll get into him later. Alrighty, Will Powell. So he can score. So just the one of those – so it's just another one of those players then at that salary range where, you know, you could target. So it might be a little bit inconsistent, but he can certainly score for me. I think I would have done it if Weller wasn't – going to play behind the ball, which it looks like he is. And, again, I, I really rate Will Powell's work rate as well as his, um, obviously, fantasy game. So, yeah, I'm still toying with, with Will Powell. He, he might find his way into my team. Okay, Matt Rao. So we discussed what we wanted to see from Rao. We had our checklist, Jet. This is the one that we just, you know, stand by quite a lot of times. Um, he ticked every box, and the last one was to see his scoring rate when he was, you know, obviously in that last Amy Community Series game, and it was there. So uh, when we had a little bit of a think back, is that, you know, his preseason started way back middle of last year during the AFL home and away season, and he's been uninterrupted since then. He's ready to go all at the right 
places with regards to the stoppages. Centre bounce is going to be high. Uh, he's going to be number two there, or, I would presume, if not equal with uh, Miller or Anderson. But he's going to be really high. So for me, based on his salary and everything that we need ticked off in our checklists is done, is just almost a certain peak for me. Yeah, you have to do it. I, I think it's very hard not to do it. So the one thing I love about Rao is he's got the round 13 buy. So Rao's not a pick I would hold for 22 rounds, obviously. So you can flick him to a round 12 pre or a, the, a primo with the round 12 buy in round 13. And that's huge on my agenda. Okay, on to Lockie Weller. As you said, he's playing a little bit behind the ball. So the one thing with Weller, that's fine, but he's already got mid-forwards uh, status. So that means, you know, he's not, you know, in amongst the defenders we should be identifying with the game with regards to the AFL Fantasy Classic game. It's the fact that, you know, he's up against the Dunkleys, up against Cornelia, he's up against Butters. So once you start to factor that in, obviously you're in that same price range. You've got so many other players in there as well that are I would rank higher than what he is. So for those reasons, he's mid-forward only. He can't get triple status. So, uh, yeah, okay, if he had defender status, he would be an option. But, you know, he's way, way down on the depth chart for me with regards to where he would sit in the midfield or where he would sit in a forward line if I was to roster him. So for me, for those reasons, I am out. Yeah, I'm out too, mate. It's... Um... I just don't think he tackles enough. I like players that hit every stat line. Already onto Jared Witt. So ACL recovered last year, ready to go. Uh, listening to Stewie Jew after his press of the Amy Community Series, very professional pre-season. He's ready to go at round one. So if you really want to pay down, uh, Jared Witt would be in that range there to be selected. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's again, it's that big fellow that's coming off an ACL and with a semi-limited pre-season. So he hasn't had a full pre-season. So I'm not going at Okay, onto GWS Giants. So Lockie Ash is going to be playing through that midfield a little bit, but I think the scores are still going to be way too inconsistent for me, Jeff. Yeah, no, there's too many um, big dogs in that Giants team that demand and command the ball, so no to Lockie Ash. Stephen Cornelio interrupted the last two years uh, through injuries, so he's had a very solid pre-season. So listening to Leon Cameron over the pre-season, you know, it's time to get him back. That was pretty much his message, time to get him back into the middle of the ground. Yeah, there might be some forward usage here and there, but I think it's going to be high midfield usage for Cornelio this year. Um, he also referenced, the, obviously, the other two captains coming in for the Giants that let him in with regards to his responsibility from, from a captain point of view. So all things are pointing to me is that high midfield usage, we know he's got a big ceiling, he's injury-free, and he's ready to go, fully fit. For me, it's a bit pretty strong pick here, Yeah, look, again, it's, it's almost a no-brainer. Um, even if he gets a 60-40 split of midfield time, he just looks like he's got a point to prove, and, and you see his determination, and I think he's going to do really well this year. Tom Green, so uh, not many would go here for Tom Green, but he's a high contested type player. So Ward going into those centre bounces this year, if that is the case and that does happen, that means Tom Green is going to get a little little bit more usage through that midfield. Um, he can win a lot of his ball in around stoppages. So it's just whether he can keep that scoring up there to become quite a value pick. So not many people would go there, but just keep him on the radar for, you know, if he goes off early in the season, you know, that might be his new level because, you know, at his age, this is his time he's going to start to hit his prime jet. Oh, absolutely. With, with the age, I just think he's always a bit handball happy. Um, as that contested type player. So a lot of mouse to feed in the Giants team also again, so no. 
Josh Kelly will be in that midfield there as well. High usage and can rack up the disposals with ease. I had him in my top 10 um, midfielders to start the year. I think he's a pretty good option there, Jeff. Yeah, he's a value pick, a slightly discounted premium, so um, you're doing a lot right by picking him. Braden Pruce, unfortunately suspended for round one, but a few people are thinking, and even uh, roster construction with regards to you know factoring in Braden Pruce at round two. So, you know that's one certainly to keep on the on the radar. Now it's going to be a flu- fluid situation, this ruck uh, situation at the Giants uh, for most of the year, if not all of it. Um, I think Pruce, I would have him as number one, and Flynn at number two. You know, and Pruce, if he goes solo ruck at any stage throughout the season, I think his going is going to be quite good. But with the two of them in that team, you know, his ceiling could be limited. I think there's pretty good value in his salary jet, but we need to keep out for a watch out for him at round two to see what we do. Some people I see are fitting him in at round one and just factoring him he's going to be right in that team at round two, which I don't think is that bad an option. Uh, but, you know, it's certainly what we need to do is, is, is keep a consideration what we want to do with the Braden Proust situation coming into round two, Jet. Uh, I still think he's going to share the ruck role, and that's never I've never been big on that. I think that's a pretty obvious tick. What what he showed in the Amy game was what he can do around the ground, and that surprised me. Um, definitely value picked. I've a value pick, sorry, but I've tried to work a team where yeah, Bruce plays on the bench for round one and comes in round two. Um, but I just yeah, I don't feel comfortable with it. it it's too much can go wrong, I suppose, and, and getting up to a, a the primo ruck from, you know, a 400, 500k player, assuming Bruce grows a little bit, is just too hard to do. So that's why I put a line through it, mate. So with the uh, loophole uh, that we need a non-playing uh, player each week, you know, He's a guarantee not to be playing round one. So there's your automatic. If you can get every other player in your team playing at round one, and then you might be able to go a fringe top player at a you know, basement salary, you know, pick up 30, 40 grand initially, you know, and all of a sudden you've got your loophole options sorted at round one, but then, you know, round two, you've got to figure out where that's going to sit. So, you know, a guaranteed loophole for round one for Braden Proust. For those that are going down that direction, you have to pay up. Um, but yeah, see, it's all you need to factor him in because I think at round two, most of us are going to be facing this decision what we do with him. On to Tim Taranto. So he's going to see a little bit uh, forward usage early in the season without Toby Green suspended and Brent Daniels as well injured. So uh, for those reasons, based on his salary, I am out. But I think uh, once the full complement has come back into that Giants team, he should be a target for me, Jet. So that's one. F- one player for me that is high on my radar to get in that team, uh, ASAP. It's just waiting to see when Green comes back and how Taranto's role changes. So we've just got to wait and see with Taranto. That's the recommendation. Okay, Whitfield's going to be highly owned at round one with regard to the top 10,000. So I've got to imagine it's going to be 90, anywhere from 95% uh, to up, up to 100%. Now, some people would choose a different path. That's fine. Uh, but for me, I think you're getting a high ceiling type player here, and he is fully fit into round one. Yeah, he's a definition of a discount premium, isn't he? So it, it's a great pick, in my opinion. Hawthorne, we go on to Jep. So Connor McDonald, he'll be around the fringes for round one. So scoring won't be uh, at a high rate, but you know if he gets into that best 22, which is critical because a medical sub would be not good for him. Um, I think he can score okay, but you know I would I would sort of temper my expectations on what his output could be, Jep. 
I'm wary of what his output will be as well, bud. I uh, I feel like these younger players, even Josh Ward, is, is going to be a time where they're reduced game time or, or vested and the like. So we just ride those waves, but pick wisely. Okay, Tom Mitchell. So a bit of a groin issue there late in pre-season. Um, he's, uh, ideally, he's ready to go for round one. We'll see how that plays out. I, I presume he's ready to go. So again, you know, that late injury news in pre-season, that's going to compress ownership. So, you know, if you really want to go down that path and think he's okay, you know, he's not really a big runner. So, you know, he doesn't really rely on his legs to get around the ground. He just needs to get the stoppages and wherever he needs to get to in open space. So it shouldn't be too much of an issue, but, yeah, we need to acknowledge it. Um, high ceiling player, and I think that's going to continue this year, yeah. Oh, no doubt in my mind. So it's... It's not one to start with, though. The groin issues have put me off, so let's just wave it. There's plenty of other big dogs we can pick from that are going to do well. Okay, John Newcomb is going to get a stack of inside midfield usage this year, but I think his scoring's a little bit too volatile for me, uh, especially when we're talking about Matt Real around the same price. Um, yeah, but just, again, that, that scoring volatility is just something that had put me off. It's one player that I did target early in the preseason, but since then I've gone off, Jeff. Yeah, I'm off him too, mate. No doubt. So he's um, he'll have some great games, and he's a really good tackler, which obviously helps his scoring. But yeah, it's a no. Okay, on to James Sisley. So I believe he's going to be quite owned here. So do we need to go to an alternative to to figure out something else? Now his price is really discounted based on his previous scoring output. So as a value pick, I'll quite quite like it. But you really need to acknowledge. Uh, hit the scoring volatility in that type of role. Having said that, if the Hawks do struggle this year, the amount of traffic inside that D50 for the Hawks is going to be strong. So therefore, that brings Sicily's proximity to the ball quite high. So, you know, he can hit some pretty decent scores if that ball's hanging around his area all game, Jeff. So the thing with um, Sicily is he's got a lot of distributors around him. So as much as as good a mark he is and kick he is, there's going to be players around him, maybe not from the get-go, but Bramble, Giath, um, Scrimshaw, they're all really good kicks in that back half. I don't know how much Sicily is going to command the ball in that sense. So I'm off him, and I'm happy that his ownership is high. I'm, I'm happy to punt against him in this instance. Okay, Josh Ward. I'd be surprised if he's not playing round one. Okay, we're not going to see the high inside midfield usage as what we did see in the AU Community Series, but I think it's going to be enough to keep those scores ticking over. Yes, he's at an elevated salary based on basement salary type players, but I think it's a good spend here, Jeff. Oh, look, he's a great player. He's shown plenty in the preseason. Again, it's how Hawthorne manage him. I think his role is more of an outside midfielder this year, not an inside. He looked so comfortable on the ball and on the guts um, fighting for the contested possessions. But unfortunately, with the team that they've got, he's just not required there. So his apprenticeship will be outside. Are we going to spend that much money with some volatile scoring on a rook? Well, given the situation we are with rooks, we're probably going to have to. But I've tried to do an option where Ward's on the bench, um, and unfortunately I can't fit it in, so he's actually on the ground at the moment. But just keep that in mind, because if you can work an option where you have a someone with his job security on the bench, I think it's going to serve you well when he scores the 50s and 60s. 
Okay, on to Melbourne. Uh, Jake Bowie. So uh, plenty of interest here with regards to he came into the Melbourne team late last season, played in a premiership. I think it was about his seventh game. So how fortunate is that? So, you know, he's going to get a little bit of a discount based on his uh, limited games last year in the home and away season. Now, there is upside based on his starting salary, but I don't think it's going to be a high return. So you just need to factor that in. Yes, there is value, but what sort of return are you going to get over a long period of time? He's an option. Uh, if you want to head down that direction, that's fine. A little bit of salary provides a little bit of salary relief there as well. So, you know, for me, don't I wouldn't be holding high expectations based on his scoring output yet. No, I don't think he's going to score well either, and he's pricey. But he becomes an option because of the limited um, availability of, of value in that back line. So, yeah, there's probably better options around his price. On to Max Gorn. So if you want a little bit of leverage here, we spoke about that a little bit earlier, it's going um, off Jack Steele onto Took Miller. You know, Grundy onto Gorn, if you're only going with one of those, you know, that might be a pretty decent option there as well. Uh, Gorn's scores will continue to be solid, even with Jackson in that team. I think it's it's great. And I think, you know, based on what we've talked about as well, is that he Gorn puts himself in a position where that ball goes to all the time. So you fill a gap in that Melbourne team where they're getting plenty of pressure, and that's where the ball's going. So uh, for me, for that reason, I think Gorn is a very solid pick th- this year. If you're not starting with him at round one, I think at some stage you'll be bringing him in yeah, look, it's it's a no-brainer. We all agree he's a top-two ruck. It's had the strategy behind it, given his price. Ultimately, we there's been coaches in the past, and myself included, being burnt, getting stuck trading for ruckman um, week in, week out, almost sometimes. So to avoid that in a COVID year, I think it's a wise, wise option to just set and forget with Gorn and Grundy. Um, and hope they play 22 games each, which, again, is unlikely. I don't think we're going to get um, 22 games out of Gorn and Grundy. So if you are starting the, the double-headed monster, so to speak, be prepared that you may need to burn a trade and go back to them. So you might actually burn two trades. And that was what didn't bode well with me. I didn't like the fact that I was spending up for Gorn and Grundy, but I'm not confident they're going to play 22 games each. Okay, on to Clayton Oliver. So high midfield usage here, that's for sure for Oliver. High centre bounces there, that's for sure. So if Melbourne dominate this year, it could be plenty of junk time there for Oliver. Uh, you've said previously that he just, just gets to his scores last year. I think it'll be a very solid year for Oliver. He's in that mix for me of players around that price tag to select yet. Yeah, look... I get why people like him and, and why people are going to select him. I'm just not. I feel like if Melbourne, we talk about Gorn once Melbourne are flogging other teams and Gorn takes a backward step. I think Oliver just takes that half step off the pace um, sometimes, and that's no criti- criticism to him. It's just where fantasy coaches we want, you know, a full quarter effort like a Took Miller from start to finish, and I don't think Oliver provides that. Um, although there's no doubt in my mind he's going to score 140 plus in some games this year. All right, Christian Petrarca in that same conversation. So if Demons perform strongly this year, there could be plenty of points on offer for Petrarca. So again, here, right here for Petrarca, high midfield usage. Uh, can hit the scoreboard there as well. High centre bounces, a lot to like, especially players around his price tag. 
No, I really like Petrarca as an option. His goal kicking makes that difference, doesn't it? That, that propels you from 100 to 120 when you're kicking one or two goals a game. So I don't think a lot of players hit every stat line like Petrarca does. And again, watching him in the preseason and seeing him on interviews on AFL 360, he just wants to be the best he can be. And he, he, he's gutting to, to make a name for himself in the league. Sure, he got the non-Smith and a premiership last year, but it's more, more to him now. And um, I feel like he's going to have another great year, if not a better year than last year, which is a bit scary. Okay, on to Christian Salem. Bit of a knee issue late in the preseason. That's something to acknowledge there as well. So he'll be in that uh, back line, D50 distributing. Uh, he'll be highly used for Melbourne in defence. A uh, little bit of volatility in his growing, so I'm just going to hold on for Salem for the time being. Yeah, he's never really caught my eye, um, has he? So, And I think that's the same with a lot of coaches. So you can probably jump on him later in the season and it won't burn you so much. Okay, on to North Melbourne. So Aaron Hall, hamstring injury in pre-season. That means interrupted pre-season. Now, soft tissue, does that mean that's going to be consistent throughout the year? He's a high-ceiling player. I had him pretty highly ranked in my top 10 defenders on afrratings.com.au. So uh, I think the Kangaroos, uh, they won't be quality this year, so I think there'll be still time spent in that D50 with regards in regards, that means a lot of ball usage for Hall coming out of D50. So I think his scores will be there again. Now we have uh, Miller Bourbon and Josh Goda coming in as draftees for North Melbourne. So at what point in time does you know David Noble give them an opportunity? Does that impact Aaron Hall throughout the season? You know, If he's feeling a little bit sore, does he get the rest? So a lot to play at with Hall this year. Um, I don't think he's an option to start with at round one if he is named. I don't... Not too sure where that is at, so we need to see where that flushes out this week. Um, so we've just got to keep in mind Aaron Hall as an option, but plenty of factors with regards to selecting him even throughout the season here, With his injury, I think we just monitor it, okay? And, and get his high price, it would be harder for him to maintain his, his benchmark um, once the season starts. So let's monitor him and, and jump on later. Jason Horn Francis, number one pick. Uh, he'll get plenty of game time this year. Interesting, David Noble came out and said uh, late last week that, you know, we can't sort of, you know, is it going to be on limited games this year? We don't know. We've got, we're going to see how that plays out. So just keep an eye on that if you're expecting to him to go through uh, 22 games, you know, straight, flat. He's going to play all of them. You know, that's a potential not to happen. So hopefully that doesn't happen early in the year to us, Chip. Look, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I feel like he's looking at him physically. He can obviously play against men and did so from the sample last year. It, it's how North Melbourne performed as well that would dictate some of his scores. If he's going to be stuck in that forward 15, the ball's not coming down enough, which I don't think is the case. I think North Melbourne would be pretty good this year. Um, then, yeah, we might get some 40s and 50s and and be a little bit burned. So the depth in that midfield bench could serve you well with a bit of loop action um, as the season gets on and, and non-playing players around the place. So, yeah, he's starting on field for round one for now, and it's a week-by-week proposition. Will Phillips going to miss out in round one due to illness. So it's just one to monitor, monitor throughout the year when he comes back. Uh, he's, he will be an option for us uh, when we're, if there are struggles for you know pay down if we want to cash in on, on another type rookie so he will be an option but just got to reiterate that his scoring had 
he's had scoring issues early in his career. Now, he won't be high center bounce usage as well. So, you know, where does it come in? Does it go medical sub? So he's just going to be in that fringe. You know, if we're struggling for players to target to cash down, you know, he might be an option. But, yeah, just keep all that in mind, Jack. Yeah, for sure. It's a shame because I was pretty big on him um, and was prepared to roll the dice with him because I felt his midfield usage was still going to be high, even amongst all the players that they have in North Melbourne. Tom Powell, he's in that mix to get centre bounce usage as well. So he can score. His junior numbers were elite. So, you know, he's an option there, uh, but his price tag, um, there's plenty of options around there. If you want to pay up, you might be able to get a premium type option. Um, I think it'll be low owned, but, you know, if somebody said to me they were selecting Powell, I wouldn't sort of discount it, but I don't think it's going to be super high centre bounce usage, but he's going to get his fair share. He is, and um, he's going to score okay, but the starting price just doesn't work in any structure I've tried to play with, so unfortunately he's not in my team. Dry Simkin, so high ceiling type player. His scores can be volatile there as well. He's an option. I think there's a little bit upside in his uh, round one salary. Um, but I don't think ownership's going to be that high when we hit round one, Jack. No, and I, and I like that. I like that aspect of it because, again, I feel like he's one of the main men amongst North Melbourne's inside mids. Um, the Greenwood thing does throw me a little bit, uh, but, yeah, I still feel like he's going to be a great player this season and a great fantasy player. Uh, Taron Thomas, so he comes into that team, he's going to play uh, plenty through that midfield, so there's another one in that midfield, the Kangaroos. You know, they've got a stack of those to go through there, so there's that dilute um, other players' ability to hit high centre-bounce numbers or even just get into the midfield whatsoever. Uh, so that's where it trickles all the way down to Powell and Phillips. you really got to take that into consideration. So Taron Thomas, he can play forward, go forward as well. Um, he can rack up a lot of disposals as well. He did hit some pretty good ceiling games last year as well. At the right age, he's coming in at, which is low 20s. I think you know he's starting to hit his prime. I think the numbers could be solid here for Thomas, and I think he's not a bad option if you want to get off one of those highly owned top players around his price tag. Yeah, I feel like he's going to be a top eight forward, pushing top six, maybe not quite there yet. So... Oh, there's been times, a lot of the times this preseason where he um, he's been in my side, but at the moment he's not. And look, that doesn't bode well with me either. I um, I'm nervous not having Taron Thomas because his skill is just almost unquestionably well the best in the side for for North Melbourne. So how do they utilise that? Is it just forward to centre? Is it behind the ball? Is it a bit all over the place? So. I still think there's a bit to work out with his role, and it's not just a mid-half-forward split. Okay, we get on to Tristan Cherry. So for me, it's just not quite time for Cherry. He's close. You know, when Gold, it's all said and done for Goldstein, Cherry's going to be in there pretty, pretty much could be number one. Um, his salary is actually quite appealing. So many would have actually had a look at his salary and... Uh, been quite excited of what he could do so he is an option you know common jones uh injury there as well late in pre-season so you've got to factor that in there as well whether he comes back into the team in favor of cherry so a lot to weigh up here i think uh the transition is underway with regards to what's happening at north melbourne in that ruck situation so they're trying to move goldstein out as number one I still think he'll be high centre bounces and, and pretty much number one for a while, but I think that transition will happen this year. So it's just a matter of when for me with regards to Cherry Jip. Yeah, Cherry, Cherry will be number one ruck at North Melbourne next year, I feel. And I've, and they're just developing him now into what's coming later. You're not going to go against Goldie, 
when when he's on the list and, and can help one develop Cherry off the field um, and in trainings, but two, I think Goldie still offers more around the ground than Cherry does. So I, there's a lot of coaches out there considering for a bench spot or F6 spot. I'm not. Okay, onto Jack Zeeble. I think the salary here is just a little bit too inflated for me as well. So obviously a lot of ball usage for North Melbourne in D50 with regards to if they're conceding a lot of inside 50s. So we did see Zeeble go off early last year, but that's when the Kangaroos were conceding a huge amount of numbers. So then Hall came back into the team and he did the same there as well. So for me, based on his salary, I think his scoring might be a little bit limited this year. So it's I think his average will be way below he, what he is priced at at round one. So for that reason, I'll mention. I'm out too, mate. Not touching Zeeble. Okay, on to Port Adelaide. So uh, Zach Butters is the one to move into the midfield at a higher rate this season. So I would expect a pretty decent rate of centre bounces and midfielder there as well uh, through, throughout general play. Yeah, he might go forward at times, but for me, I think this is pretty much a midfield central type role. Uh, but the Port Adelaide of what they've said under Brett Montgomery midfield coaches, they want an even spread across the season, and that will help them in the back of the back end of the season when they hit finals with regards to you know everyone fully. F- uh, fit and fresh and ready to hit the finals because that's where they struggled last year. Once, once they hit the prelim stage, is that you know they were they were out on their feet, which is quite surprising with the week off. Um, so, but yeah, they, they were they need to increase the amount of quality players through that midfield, and I think that Butters one this year is going to see a higher amount of usage. I think he's the one with regards to the value pick, and I, I think he can score quite well. So for me, um, I like to pick a lot. Yeah, but as the messaging has been clear with him, with his midfield time and how much he does play in midfield. So I think the role's there. I think his scoring ability's there. I don't like his injury history at all, but at 639000 when we're a bit depleted for rooks, um, we're looking at the discounted premium players a lot, and he's one of them. Okay, onto Sam Hayes. He'll be in that mix at round one, so it's just uh, he might be linked to that Charlie Dixon uh, pick coming back in. So you just got to keep an eye on, you know, he could be in and out. So uh, that's also needs to be on the radar quite a lot. Uh, I think he can score okay even as the number two. So he'll spend some time forward and give Lossett a chop out in Iraq. So we only need him to tick over, you know, 45, 50 points to get that salary started. Um, hopefully there can be a lot more, but yeah, just keep an eye out that um, it's limited. I, you know, the potential is there as well as that. You know, Hinkley might like what he sees, and potentially chop out a forward and bring Dixon back in and keep the Hayes and Lysette scenario. From our point of view, that would be magnificent because that means that Hayes can continue on making uh, the money that we need then to cut him out and take his profit. So. Yeah, just a fluid situation here with Hayes. I think he gets the nod round one, but, you know, monitor it. You know, because it might be a short, sharp uh, visit into that Port Adelaide tangent. Yeah, exactly. We've got to monitor it and um, see where he's at. Even if he doesn't play that round one, he's a good loophole option, isn't he? Because I feel like he's going to play at least 10 games this season. Okay, on to Lockie Jones. So he's one of the pay-down defenders you can go with uh, to start at round one. Uh, he's down at a discounted salary, so uh, I think he's going to see a pretty decent rate there across half-back. Uh, Miles Bourbon at injured at the moment as well, so I think Jones's uh, opportunity in that team will be quite strong. And his scoring rate won't be super, but he certainly can score. Well, I'm going to put you on the spot here a bit, Pete, because it's not on the run sheet, but what do you think Jones can actually score in the early rounds of the year? I would say anywhere from 55 to 65. 
You know, if you want to be conservative, 50 to 60 range. If you want to be a bit bullish in some games, you might hit a few 70s here and there. So I'm I'm a bit yeah way more bullish than that. I, I think he's 65 plus. I feel like he takes the footy like no one else. I feel like Hinkley really likes the way or what he brings to the Port Adelaide team. Sure, he's not a, an accumulator as such, but Port Adelaide were one of the highest um, fantasy scoring teams last year. Adelaide Oval is a good over to score fantasy points against, and I have absolutely gone to um, to town on the defender list from 400 grand down, and he's one that I'm big on. I, I feel like there's a little bit of value there. He's one of my riskier picks, and I feel like, yep, yeah, sure, it might sting me in the butt, but if a rookie presents later in rounds two or three, then it's not such a big deal. So keep that in mind for the, the coaches out there that are struggling to find that 300 grand defender. I think he's one you can turn to. Uh, Jed McKenty, so um, very strong preseason, so he'll be on that radar for round one. So he came in for, I think it was just one game off the sub and just scored like two points last year. So basement salary, so keep an eye on uh, whether his name comes up for round one. Uh, he could be an option. Uh, I think uh, the coaching staff are pretty bullish on what he can do, Jet. Oh, look, yeah. Any 190-game rookie that plays is, is on our radar, isn't he? So... He's had a pretty good preseason, nothing crazy. He's a, he's a bench warmer, um, but let's pick the bench warmers that have a clear role to play in the side, and, and let's read into that once the teams are named. Jackson Mead, so he'll be on that radar round one, no doubt about it. So whether he gets in or out of that team, he'll be really close. So it's an option for us at one 190k. So I, you know, I think he's going to be super close. So he'll play through that midfield just a little bit. Hopefully he's not medical sub. That, that'd be a disaster. So I think his scoring rate could be okay. Uh, but, you know, he's got a... There's a lot of depth in that Port Adelaide midfield that they're going to use. He'll be one of those if he's in that uh, Port Adelaide best 22. And the scoring rate should be quite okay. So just one we need to flush out. Obviously, you track when Port Adelaide plays. They play Brisbane first up. So that's not going to be a really easy um, matchup first up for me trying to establish himself into that midfield. He's had a very strong preseason, so it's just one we're just going to wait on this week to see where that flushes out to, Jip. Yeah, just pointing out that he hasn't come from the clouds or anything. Last year he had a lot of injuries, and the year before as well, so finally he had a good preseason that has put him in good stead, and I feel like he's rated internally and amongst that best 25, let's say, at Port. So again, let's see where the teams are named He's obviously going to rotate through the midfield. If Port have a few injuries, they're not going to take risks on, um, you know, Pal Pepper being one, but I think he's going to be named. Yeah, then then maybe he could get in. So, yeah, a, a rookie bench option that we're all keen for. All right, I'm going to ask you a question here, and then I'm going to go on a, not a bit of a rant, a bit of an update where I see the situation. Do you currently have Josh Sin in your 30-player uh, squad? No, I don't. Okay, I do. So just an update where that stands. So late last week, uh, Ken Hinckley's interview, it was pretty much this. He was asked about a few players whether they're going to play round, round one, and he was very bullish on them. Yeah, no drama here. He, uh, been a team very likely or whatever. When he got to the Josh Sin question, it was a pause. Unfortunately for those who have Josh Sin in their team, this is the pause. He talked about players earning their spot. He talked about, you know, he only played six games last year. 
He talked about, you know, they haven't played many games over the last couple of years. So there was a lot of pause there with regards to, you know, you know, got to wait for an opportunity. So there was just all that negative talk. So, again, I'll put it in full context here, is that he talked about other players really, yep, he'll play very unlikely, unlikely, yep, yep, got to Josh Sin, and it was all these stop signs to say that, you know, potentially he's not going to be there round one, which is quite disappointing because I think he is quality, but I understand the point. They want to develop him a little bit more. Um, once he comes into that team, I think he will be really solid, and I think he's pretty much uh, an elite peak long-term. But, you know, whether he gets there round one, I'm pretty much leaning into the no scenario at this stage. So if you've got him in your team, I would start making plans for the alternative and to see where that's it. So um, I still have him in my team, so that's an adjustment I'm going to have to make. But, yeah, for me, I think he's not going to get there round one, which would be disappointing. I think it's high quality. But just listening to Coach speak and just, you know, he, he listed all those other players and said, yeah, positive, positive, no, not quite yet. And he got to Josh Sin and he listed all these excuses as, you know, he didn't say whether he was going to pick him or not, but he listed all these, not excuses, but reasons why he wouldn't be picked. So for me, for that reason, I think it's just going to be a bit of a struggle to get there round one. Yeah, I agree, mate. But the thing with Hinkley is he's going to, we're going to find out what the teams are anyway because they play the Saturday. So that's a positive. And Hinkley doesn't mince his words. No. He, he always tells the truth. So I reckon we'll find out probably on Friday if he's um, Friday during the day, all the debutants for, for Port. So, yeah, he, he, or even Thursday when teams are named. So that, they don't shy away. I, I love that about Hinkley. He's like, this is what we're doing. Come come try stop us. That's his mantra and that's his attitude. And um, obviously love, we love him because he, he doesn't muck around and, and we can plan ahead. Yeah, and it was the, the, the one... Uh, comments that really, well, the comments that really resonated with me with regards to Hinkley, it was that when they deserve their opportunity. So, you know, he might not not be just quite there yet. He's quality, and he'll be coming in at some stage, but just not quite there yet. Okay, on to Ollie Wine. So, bit of spread throughout that midfield with regards to Port Adelaide this year. I don't think it's going to impact Ollie Wines too much. So, he is at a very elevated salary. So, for that reason, I think there could be a little bit of regression there. Um, I think he'll score quite well. He'll, I think he'll be the main ball winner at Port Adelaide. But based on his salary and what we need to fit in at round one, Jeff, I'm just out. Yeah, I'm out too, mate. I, um, it's the round 12 buy for me that does it. I've got a lot of primo mids that I'm looking at with the round 12 buy. Okay, on to Richmond. Josh Gibkes. Uh, you know, I, I reckon 90% sure that he's playing round one. Richmond do have a couple of injury concerns there as well, which we need to factor into. Having said that, I still think he's in that team anyway if it's if it's fully healthy. So he's had a very, very good preseason. Now, the one thing in the past is that Damien Hardwick really hasn't, you know, set on younger type players to come into that team instantly. But I think I think Gibkiss is really quality and he's settled in quite nicely in defence. Now, the scores won't be high. We need to acknowledge that. But there's an, certainly there an option there for us under 300k, Jeff. Yeah, Gibkiss is definitely in round one, in my opinion, especially with the Vlosten injury. It um, it really helps his cause for round one. I, I just don't think he's a good scorer, um, but neither are any defender rooks, really, that, that are we're all looking at. So you could put him on your bench. I think it's a big spend for your bench, but if you're just going to start with him at D6, just be wary of, um, of his scoring capability. But, again, limited options probably have to wear a 50 from Gibkiss in the first month. Okay, Dustin Martin. So he's going back into that midfield at a higher rate uh, 
this season. So I have referenced quite often is you know back to 2017 when he was in that midfield quite a lot. His numbers were elite from a fantasy perspective. So I think we're going to see uh, an elevated average based on what he did last year and the year before. Obviously, injury interrupted late last year, lost a lot of weight. But, you know, Damon Hardwick on the, on the weekend, I think it was a Mitch Cleary report, is it, or, or Tim Watson report, is it, you know, was asked, you know, how the fitness of Dustin Martin was. And he goes, it's, it's been better for quite some time or something to that effect. So for me, you know, obviously he's just got down a bit of a slow build for Martin. But I think, you know, I, I don't mind the pick. I actually quite like it a lot. And I think he's going to be used through that midfield quite a lot. Um, yeah, I just and if I'm gonna make a move to someone, and I did have him in my team there for stages the last couple of weeks, but you know he's out at the moment. But if I'm gonna make a move there at some stage, it might be to Dustin Martin. Yeah, yeah I, you know my thoughts on Dusty. Not that he's a bad pick. I still think one, he's a discounted premium and he's value. Okay, so you play. He's average or priced at eighty-one ish. The thing with Dusty is I find that you can always jump on him throughout the season. So you're not really getting a leg up by starting with him. So finding those value picks is is critical. And, look, he, he'll – yeah, he's he ticks a lot of boxes, but I just feel like you can jump on later on in the year. Okay, so – the thing on Dusty, so he's, he's priced down. So if he averages the first, you know, hundred the first three or four or five weeks, you're going to be paying up for him. So it's just whether, yeah. you, just whether you want to pay for that now, what you think is going to happen, um, or you know, you're potentially going to have to pay a hundred, hundred and fifty k extra. So you know, and and money. Hey, he's not, been in. My, he's in. He was been for the first time this preseason last week. He was in my team. Yep. So money is not going to be easy to find this year. So that's the one thing we need to acknowledge with regards to roster builds as well, is that you know if we're picking some guys that are, you know, if we're picking gift kits around 250-260 salary, so their salary increase is going to be a lot slower. So we're not going to get be able to get to these players a lot quicker. So you really need to factor that into pre round one to decide, you know, is this the player that I want? If they score what I think they're going to score, well, I might as well go with them now when I can afford to it and just mess around with my entire team rather than say, I need that player into my team, but hang on a sec, I don't have the money to afford them. So we really don't want to be chopping and changing players that we started in our team that are scoring at a high rate because, you know, it's just wasting trade. So what we need to do is upgrade the players uh, that are a way lower salary and a low scoring average to get to all those premiums to fill that, that team really quickly. So if you think Dusty can get there at 100 average, uh, he's pretty much a moral to start round one. Um, I'm still considering it if I'm going to change anything. Uh, but yeah, I think that midfield usage is going to be there this year. All right, let's move on to the next one. So Hugo Relsmith. So he'll be in amongst the, there as well for round one. Um, I think his preseason has been quite solid too there, Jeff. Yeah, he's been really good. Yeah, and obviously at 258,000 presents a lot of value. So just keep in mind he's an impact player. I, I'd, again, be wary of what his scoring output would be at F6. Um, but obviously against the game against Hawthorne, in that third quarter he scored 40-odd in a quarter, um, which is high, high output. But in the other quarters he obviously had 10, and I think, in the first. So... Just be wary of that. He's more of an impact player than an accumulator. Um, but again, I don't think we should complain with any player at price at that uh, 250 mark. 
Okay, on to Jaden Short. So he's going to be the main distributor out of defence for the Tigers. So um, I think his scoring rate can be quite solid. He's in one of those players for an option to start with at round one, Chip. Yeah, he's a quarterback for Richmond. What the, um, you know, not having Hooley, how does that affect him? Does it, you know, does it affect him in a negative way because he's going to get the forward tag or, or something like that, which would definitely happen. From, and it could even happen round one. Uh, long vision of, of Jaden Short is he's a top six defender for me. Okay, on to St Kilda. So, uh, Sands got some issues there with regard to that midfield. So, Gresham is set for a forward midfield role. So, it's mostly forward into the midfield. So, with some options out of that team, he might see some increase in that uh, early part of the season in that midfield. But long term, maybe not a good option. So, for me, uh, no for Gresham early. Yeah, firm no from me as well, Pete. Onto Jack Hayes. So he could be linked to this Paddy Ryder situation. So if Ryder comes back into that team, Hayes could be on the way out. So just one of those things you need to think of with regards to setting your pre-round one team is that how long can you have Hayes in your team? So uh, for me, um, just, you know, if I can find other options, that's where I'll head you. Yeah, look, I, I agree. I think... Um it's we just need some information on the rider situation, don't we? Like, even, let's assume riders out for the first two games, then you probably wouldn't even jump on a Jack Hayes if other forward looks are available, which is looking likely at the minute. Okay, on to Rowan Marshall. So uh, this one's also linked to the rider situation. So Ratton likes to play a Duroc setup. So you know if it's round one, two, round three, round four, whatever it is, you know if, if Marshall's solid as an R one scoring well, which I think he can do, you know across the length of the season, you know what's it going to be? So you know, I'd really love to go Rowan Marshall if he was number one solo ruck for the entire season. I'm picking him. So there just would not be any doubt. But, yeah. you know, the situation where he could be limited and provides support down forward for um, King, you know, that could limit his scoring. So, for me, just a bit of a pause there. Yeah, ex- exactly, mate. It's it's a shame. Again, Marshall's probably one next year that we uh, that will be highly owned for the number... Because he'll have the number one ruck um, spot at Saints. Okay, Jack Steele. So, um, all good for me. Scoring rates there. High scoring games, ceiling games, whatever you want, you've got it. But you've got to acknowledge a little bit of ownership to come with Steele. I like the pick, Stilger. Oh yeah, he, he's he's a bona fide uh, fantasy star and a football star. Uh, he's got the keys to the St Kilda midfield, and he basically does what he has to do to to try get him to win. So uh, yeah, spending up that much, you know, it's, it's for the captain option. It's not the, obviously a value pick. On to Sydney, let's go. So Isaac Henney, so the midfield usage is going to increase, but you've got to acknowledge there's going to be some forward usage there as well. So that's going to turn a lot of people off where they don't actually see his scoring rate, uh, which is going to come outside forward 50. So that'll happen this year. There will be centre bounces in there this year as well. So just whether people can be convinced enough that it's going to be enough to keep the scores ticking over. His salary is actually okay, represents a little bit of value there as well. He's an option uh, I think people are split on whether to pick Heaney or not. I don't mind the pick. I'm one of those one of those people that are split on this decision because I just don't know what and how much inside midfield time he's going to get. Like I, I feel like we're on the right trajectory all pre-season and in the um, practice game he got it and then sh- yeah, no forward options available. He plays forward and kicks four goals. So. I don't want to pick him without knowing what his midfield time is. Um, I'm still debating it because 
is obviously a heavily discounted premium. So, yeah, look, I, there were games last year where he really could have had a high ceiling game as well, and I think he'll do that. Can he do that in consistently? I think he can score 90-plus um, regardless of what his actual mid-forward speed is. On to Jake Lloyd. So uh, no 120-point games last year. This one's uh, fish and ball movement. We've talked about that on this podcast. So I still think he's pretty good uh, selection, and I will be targeting him throughout the season, no doubt. Uh, again, defenders, flat average. Um, I think he's pretty solid around that 95 to 100, maybe even a little bit more there as well. Um, it's just whether you're targeting him now or throughout the year. I think he's pretty solid across the board, though. Oh, look, he, he's a top six defender. I don't have real any, well, any concerns with Lloyd at, at it or whatsoever. It's um, it's just when you jump. And I like a lot of these defenders because he probably doesn't have the highest ceiling anymore than he than what he did. You can jump on later. Okay, on to Patrick McCartan. Patty McCartan, so into the defence. Uh, I think he's going to get a look in early in the season. I think he's pretty solid there for the Swans. Provides a lot of stability, a lot of experience in that back line, even though he's only just moved to that uh, defensive intercept marking top uh, defender uh, over the last 12 to 18 months. So I think he's going to be playing. That's just another option for us under 300 kg. Yeah, he's a, he's a solid option. Obviously, mature body has his concussion problems that we all know about. Playing defence, you know, he defenders do more of the hitting than than receiving the hits as a key forward. So I feel like that position next to his brother is is gonna you know be great for him. He he looked really comfortable actually in defence, which was surprising. Um, and he's obviously uh, two hundred seventy one thousand, which we're all screaming for defender rooks. So ticks a lot of boxes and um, should be in consideration for most teams. Okay, on to Justin McInerney. So what we're going to be looking at there is a player that's going to be running down off half-back along with Nick Blakey as well. So um, he'll get – his scores will turn over. It's just whether he goes up um, quite a lot from his starting salary at round one. So I think there's a little bit of value in his salary and it's just another one to throw into the mix whether you can start with that round one chip. Yeah, for sure. It, again, like my stru- and I come back to team structures. My structure only allows a one hundred one five hundred thousand dollar defender, if that kind of makes sense. Five hundred to six hundred thousand. And I much I'd always do the player comparison, and I much prefer Hewitt to McInerney. Okay, on to Callum Mills. So uh, late Achilles issue in 2021, slow build up this preseason and got there back into the Amy Community Series game there as well. So he'll be in that round one team. It's just whether you're satisfied enough that there's going to be no more issues. Um, so we're listening. let's go back to Dane Zorko and his Achilles issue. He said he's been dealing with it for a couple of years. So, you know, is Callum Mills fully over it? Is it the situation where, you know, you're going to be comfortable holding him throughout the remainder, well, throughout the entire season? So I'm just a little bit uncomfortable in that situation with regards to Mills. Uh, certainly he can score. Uh, he may even be a target throughout the year. But, yeah, just a pause for concern on Mills for me. What are your thoughts, Edgip? Yeah, I like the pick as a risky option. So we, we talk about the PODs, and Callum Mills' ceiling is up there with the best of them. So for that reason, I have considered it. Uh, he's not in my team currently, but he has been in my team in and out for the last seven days. It, uh, <laughs> 
probably in a COVID year, like we like we've got to just be. That's got to be at the forefront of our mind. Is we're going to have a lot of laid outs, a lot of COVID protocols, seven days, play, you know, players in isolation, like Tim Kelly's at the moment. So it's um it's probably not the year to do it, is it? Okay, on to West Coast. So Hugh Dixon, um, he's going to be playing round one. I think he's going to be playing that team for a little bit, so long as he uh, puts up a pretty decent effort in his early career at West Coast. So there's an option for us there at a discounted salary, I would presume, Jeff. Yeah, look, he, he's going to offer a bit, the highs and lows of a West Coast supporter. Let's just go back to uh, JD getting vaccinated. Yay, we're all, we're all up on our desks and then... 24 hours later, he's, he's got a foot issue or, some, or an injury that's going to put him out for a month. So that's, uh, that's what it's been like as a West Coast supporter this preseason. But on the, on the plus side for fantasy coaches, we get a lot of young kids and, and Dixon's going to offer a lot. He competes really well. So it's not necessarily about taking marks, but he brings the ball to ground a lot. Um, and I think that's what West Coast hierarchy like about him. So I don't think he's going to be a huge scorer, and I'm not actually considering him for my bench spot at the moment. Okay, Luke Foley. So we've got to see where that situation uh, flushes out for West Coast this week. The one thing that is known is they are very limited for options going into round one. But the one thing we do need to acknowledge here, you know, where he sits in that team and how many players are coming back into that team over the next few weeks. So uh, just one thing to monitor there for me, Jeff. Yeah, I like Luke Foley. Always been a huge fan. Got a long left foot penetrating kick. Um, and obviously more of a stalwart amongst the side, amongst the structures that Adam Simpson wants to play. So uh, another player around that 300 price tag um, in defence. So he should be on um, your list. And again, he, he's not in my team currently, but I have played with it. Okay, Andrew Gaff. For me, you're just paying up to his salary and you're pretty much going to get what he is um, costing you at the moment. So for me, I don't think there's any upside in his salary and obviously if you want to you know, fit other players into your team, you're going to have to pay down at some certain area. So for me, Gaff, I wouldn't be targeting. Yeah, no, not even touching Gaff. Uh, Brady Hoff, so uh, one of those situations again is that, you know, that you've just really got to monitor who's coming back into that team. You know, we've got Witherden coming back, back in at round two. You need to keep that in mind. We've got Shui, who's potentially up for round one now. Um, we've got Yo at some stage coming back in that team. So at some stage, the Eagles are going to get healthy, uh, and that's going to be putting pressure on some of these players that we need to be in our team. So that's really important from my point of view, is they really need to look on the outside and inside. They need to look at their injury list and see who's unavailable to see who's to come back in and their time frame to come back in and which players are likely to go out of that team. So that's a big thing for me on West Coast Chip. Yeah, look, and I dare say that, you know, with Brady Hoff's physical development and, and the rigours of, of getting knocked around by the bigger bodies, I'd, Simpson's always had a protection sort of approach to their young kids. So I, even if Hoff plays, because we're depleted with injuries, as West Coast are, then Hoff may come in for one or two games, get a vest, and then he'll be out, like you said, when other players come back. So of all the rooks to, to pick, um, I wouldn't be picking Hoff. He's 230000 It's a shame if he had defender status, I might take that punt on him, but I'm definitely not taking the punt on him with other midfielders available. The one player that came in actually looked quite good, so I think he flew in on a Friday and he was playing on a Sunday, so that's uh, Patrick Nash here, yeah. so everyone was shaking their hands, maybe even addressing room as they went out onto the ground, but yeah, my name's Patrick, and you know, and he actually 
uh, got on there late, and he was actually quality. So I think he's going to be in there round one. So it's just a matter of how he performs early in the year uh, to see w- whether he can hold his spot. So that, again, you've got to factor in who's coming back into that team and what does that do to nature? Does that put him on the outside instantly? He's only joined a team within the last week, a uh, week and a half or whatever that was. So for me, I like the pick, but you've really got to consider there as well. It's not a basement salary type situation. He's just above 300k there. So, you know, how, how much return can we get? You know, if he plays in that team, plays in that best 22 for three or four or five weeks, well, you, you probably need to have him in your team. But you need to make that decision. Is that actually going to happen, Jeff? I think it is going to happen, mate. I feel he's... So he's an outside mid, and we need an outside mid at the moment. Gaff's on one wing, and I think Nash will be on the other wing. I feel like Nash playing off the stadium will suit his game style. I feel like the Eagles' game plan um, really suits Nash's game style too. So I'm not going to say he's going to be the saviour of, of scoring and scored tons or 80s or anything like that, but I think he's a pretty safe 60s pick um, at 300 or low 300,000. Um, I think he's 314 grand. Uh, he's a pretty good pick in my opinion. And if at selection table, if they're saying we're going to pick Hoff or Nash, I actually think they'll go to Nash purely on the protection factor of Hoff because he's He's um, so young and he's got a lot of physical development to do. So Nash is 23 years of age, so um, he's actually a little bit mature in regards to, you know, versus, you know, players coming into their first and second year. So he's got that on his side as well. Uh, obviously, uh, full pre-season, they're pretty much uh, away from West Coast, but he's ready to go. So it's just whether, you know, he might be one of those medical sub situations there as well. So th- if that's the case, then that really doesn't really play into the hands of what we want to happen. So I think there's quality. Now, if you said uh, is a 60 average coming, uh, for me, if it's 50 to 55 average, I th- still think that's okay. But, you know, really need to factor in what flushes out this week with regards to who else is available. You know, if, if we get a confirmation early in the week that uh, he's playing, I think there's one player I would certainly target. But, you know, you need to free up the salary from somewhere else. So a lot to play out there. But, yeah, certainly should be on the radar, Patrick Nash. Uh, next player up as well, also on the radar, Willie Rioli. So obviously a couple of years yeah. suspension comes back into the team. Uh, we'll actually see some midfield time. And Adam Simpson uh, tried to get him in there for a bit of a different look at centre bounces. That actually might play out early in the year, especially if um, the Eagles are struggling for mid. So if uh, once Shuey comes back in and, and he's fine, that sort of reduces percentage, uh, centre bounce percentage for Rioli, if, if at all he gets any. But he's going to be a small half-forward type role, maybe move up to the ground a little bit. Uh, the one thing that plays on my mind here is that a couple of times I've listened to Adam Simpson, is that Willie Rioli, when mentioned, Adam Simpson uh, says over pre-season he's had a few niggles, a few niggles here and there. And that just raises all sorts of issues for me with regards to who we're selecting in that team. And especially if we're spending a play around, spending the money around 300k, you know, if we had an option of Rioli or or Nash, and I, I, I presume that Rioli's in there first ahead of Nash, but who, whatever that is. But for me, I hear, hear those word niggles, and especially, you know, uh, that could be soft tissue or whatever that is, but you just don't want to be heading into the season uh, with players in your team that know that, you know, they've had you know, a little bit of in, interruptions throughout pre-season for me, Jeff. Spot on, bud. I, um, you know, Rioli hasn't had the smoothest run at it, so there's a first red flag. When... Look, Rioli's definitely going to be at some centre bounces, but not as a midfielder. Like, he's not going to 
be a traditional midfielder and have midfield time. He's there to get the clearance and and break away forward to centre from from the centre bounce. So I've seen him a lot over the years, obviously, and, and he, he's my one of my boys. And um, let me tell you, we have missed him uh, a lot over the last couple of years. And he's a welcome addition. Is he a pick for fantasy? I don't think he is. If there are limited options around the place. Um, in terms of those forward rooks, then surely you could go to him. But um, I don't think his ceiling's much more than 55. Okay, let's get on to Elliot Yeo. So when he comes back into the team, he should be scoring at a, a pretty decent rate. But again, interrupted pre-season. So you just really need to acknowledge that when you're going to select him, if at all you're going to select him. His salary actually actually suggests value so that's uh, obviously it's not one to go early with here jet because of his availability but for me keep him on the radar and you know once he hits you know uh full fitness again it might be an option for me but again you really need to factor in a lot of risk uh, with regards to building your player profiles whether you want to go down that path or not yeah for sure it's um i just again player comparison who would you rather at the moment, Yo or Patrick Cripps. Exactly. I think that's a no-brainer. Yep. Alrighty, let's get on to the Western Bulldogs just to finish off here. So Marcus Bontempelli, maybe a little bit more forward usage this year to cover off on the tall injury availability situations for the Bulldogs. Um, for me, it's still going to be high centre-bounce usage. I think his score is going to get there. Had a pretty good season last year, and I think he should be there thereabouts again this year. I'm not interested in the Bont to start with, but... Um Maybe he's a sneaky one for forward status. Who knows? Okay, let's get on to Caleb Daniel. So he's going to be probably the main distributor coming out of defence for the Bulldogs. Bulldogs love to get it into his hands so he can actually, uh, with his excellent vision, elite vision, to look upfield and see where he wants to pinpoint that ball. And that's what he, exactly he does. Um, so for me, uh, under that roof, I think Caleb Daniel's ceiling is actually really good. Um, so just throw him in the mix. There's another player that we can choose around one, Jeff. Yeah, look, I, I, there's a lot of hatred towards Caleb Daniel, given he scored 20 last year for his owners. Um, but that's because he's going to, you know, that was at Ballarat and it was a windy day, but he also got tagged out of it. So when you get tagged, you're, you're a player of, um, of, you know, of a damaging ilk, and I feel like he's got a big role to play for the Dogs this year, and he's a good defender pick this season for fantasy. Okay, Josh Dunkley, I'm expecting a little bit of increase in midfield usage. Um, actually, I think it's going to be quite a decent rate. Obviously, we can roster him as a forward, and obviously that throws him into a mix of being selected at round one. I think his salary represents value, so therefore there's another bit of a tick there with regards to who do we want to pick and you know fitting all the players we want to do into a round one squad. I think there's a lot to like here with Dunkley. I like to pick a lot. Yeah, I think he's a definite value, and um, if he can handle a bit of a role change throughout the year, which I think we can, um, he's one to uh, one to get. And I, again, I know he's out of contract this year. Okay, onto Tim English. So uh, Luke Beveridge come out and said, Bulldog senior coach Luke Beveridge come out and said that you know he wants Tim English into that rack. So. Yeah, but you could need to factor in a lot of situations here as well. Is that Stephen Martin is available there as well. But the Bulldogs do have uh, tall and key player position availability issues early in the season. So therefore, does that mean you know Stephen Martin can only play in Iraq? So therefore, Team English go forward. So you really need to factor that in early in the season. I think Team English long term is going to be a pretty good fantasy scorer for us, but I don't think his time is now. So you know, it's for me. I just it's elevated risk for me. That's all here for Team English. 
you could use English as insurance policy in the rucks, uh, as a forward, sorry, for to cover the rucks. If, if that has crossed your mind, it definitely crossed my mind. I think, well, I find that a coincidence that there was an article saying that the West Coast Eagles were chasing and had a contract in English, and then all of a sudden... Team English is playing more ruck time and, and Bevo comes out and said, no, he's our number one ruck and yada, yada, yada. So, um, yeah, a bit of politics in that. I, I read between the lines, but, you know, Pete, I overthink these things. So he's definitely going to get way more ruck time than, than what we've seen in the past, but he's never been a really good hit-out ruckman. So will that equate to more points? Probably a few, but not enough to propel him into the top three rucks for this year. Okay, on to Jack McRae. So inside or outside, collects plenty of ball. Um, I think you're paying out for what you get, and that's what you get getting is a high ceiling, high quality midfielder chip. So for me, I like the pick. Yeah, he's, it's a no-brainer, isn't it? He, um, as long as you, you know, if he's one of the top four that you're picking in terms of Steele, Took, Mitchell, and McRae, I always say that. Yeah, I played with a lot of team structure, and I feel like you can only afford one. And you know what you're getting with all four of them. So with Titch's groin issues, it's probably one of McRae, Took, or Steele. Okay, on to Tim O'Brien. So he comes over from the Hawks, so he's going to play that intercept-marking type defender role. So just got to flush out to see where that settles early in the season for for the Bulldogs from the O'Brien perspective. But there is upside, I would suggest, in, in his salary uh, but, yeah, just another one to throw into the mix there. Um, how much risk there? you just got to evaluate yourself with regards to uh, throwing every, everything into a pot and how much you want to spend at defence, how, how much you want to spend across uh, the rest of your salary and who you want to put in there. But, again, it's just another one of those players that we were struggling for, for um, players under 300k in defence and then all of a sudden we need to have to actually start to look up, Jeb. So, and that's where O'Brien comes into the mix. Yeah, look, I couldn't do it because I don't think his scoring ceiling is very good. But, um, yeah, I can understand with a role like that. And he's actually priced at 486000 defender forward status too. So there are a few options there. Okay, Ed Richards. So he's going to be used off half-back there. I think there's value in his salary. I don't think the scoring is going to be elite. I don't think it's going to be great. But I think it might be enough to make some uh, pretty good profit here, Jeff. Yeah, enough, in, enough to uh, make you think about it, isn't it? So... He's been in and out of my team because I've been looking for that 300 grand um, defender and he's similarly priced to Lockie Jones, Luke Foley as well. So uh, with the way the Bulldogs move the ball, you could use, you know, there's a lot of high possessions in the Bulldogs game style. So I think he'll come good. And I think he's actually good for a 60 plus most weeks, but there are some times where you can fade out and, and maybe go a forward in. You don't want that from a 368 game. Um, $368,000 player. So just on defendership, so let's just evolve this discussion a little bit more. So we're struggling for players under 300k at, you know, at round one right now, yeah? So yeah, that's right. who's to say that that's going to be resolved at round five with regards to all these players being available so we can cash down that? So that's one thing when you're building your rosters to really take into consideration is that if we're faced with the same situation, right, 
at round five that we have no one to go down to in defense then it just creates more issues for us so when you're building your squad and this is what we're talking about we can't we can't resolve this issue next week it's we can resolve this we can have a look at what potentially might happen in the future you know we might not be able to resolve this issue at round five or even for the first half of the year so obviously we're going to get a well i presume that we're going to get a lot of COVID situations where you know we're going to get players in one week out one week but you know when you're building your squad and these players, you know, at, at mid-price salary or if you want to spend up in defence, which actually does hamper your, potentially your rack situation or your midfield situation with regards to premium top scorers, is it, you know, how do you want to trade throughout the year? Do you actually want to be, you know, guessing that, you know, we're going to be paying down at a defender spot, you know, to cash in elsewhere or do you want to be do, doing the reverse? Is it using some of those midfielders to pay up to defence premium type players? that can score much better than the players that you're starting with. So just really need to take into consideration how you want the season to play out, especially round four, round five, round six, when you're starting to take some dollars off and downgrade some players at other positions. Yep. I tweeted out during the week that um, it was the first time I've had four premier defenders in, in, a, in a side that I've played with. So, And it was for those reasons you've, you've just stressed, mate. It's, uh, it's not about so much round one, round two. It's about the, the short-term outlook. I... I'm buoyed by the fact that Nick Dacos will probably have defender status come round six, round seven. So um, that's a big positive. But, yeah, we don't want forced trades. So all the players you need to pick in your defence, the cheaper ones as well, you need to really be guaranteed that they're playing the first six, seven games of the season. Otherwise, you're going to get burnt and burnt pretty badly. Okay, let's get on to our final player here, and that's Adam Trelaw. So he did have some scans on his shoulders there. I presume he's okay for round one because there's been no real issues out of the Bulldogs or commentary out of the Bulldogs for anyone else that I'm following that to suggest that that's any type of issue going into round one. So it's not his legs, it's no issues there. It just might be just a bit of a shoulder bump. So for me, that's fine. It's all clear, ready to go. So obviously, you'll monitor that, and I'll put out a few feelers to see if I can get anything out of anyone heading into round one for those who are starting Trelaw. So which is really important because he's got forwarded status, and he's an option there to start in that forward line for a lot of people. I think ownership is going to be quite solid. So it's just something to monitor if you want to head somewhere else based on that information. But it's not that big a deal. Players go through scans throughout the year multiple times, so don't be concerned about that unless something else comes out post this podcast. For me, for me, Jeb, I like Trelaw. Your thoughts? Yeah, I think he's a great pick, he, and I, I'm not scared by that um, that shoulder issue that was publicised and, and, and put out there. So still value, still got a lot to offer the Bulldogs this year. I think he can push 100 average. Final thoughts heading into round one, Jeb. We are nearly there. We are. Stay strong. You know, I mentioned don't muck around with your premiums too much. You've, you've done a lot of homework on your premiums. Follow your gut and have your backup plans for um, the rolling lockout in round one and enjoy it. Good luck. It's been a big pre-season, like we said, and, and now the fun starts. Yeah, track news. Obviously, news is going to be vital this year. Um, now, on the COVID situation, I don't think we're going to get any heads up until team selection, which, you know, on a standard week, that's pretty much most Thursday nights we're going to get a player out health and safety protocol. So, 
you know, I'm not too sure that you know we're going to be getting in advance. The players are going to be missing through COVID. You know, hopefully the journalists out there, and there's some quality journalists out there that will actually post that news. So that will give us some sort of indication. So uh, again, if, for all those journalists out there that do great work, give them a favor, give them a retweet, give them a thank you. Great information because you know they're our life and blood heading into a season, and without those, we miss a lot of information. So they are absolutely critical to what we do in this game. So, yep, for me, and I uh, do a lot of news covering there as well, so keep an eye out on AFL ratings on that news feed there as well because I'll be jumping all over that as it happens to help us out there as well, as not only just pre-round one, but obviously throughout the home and away season. So, yeah, for me, it's keeping a track of news. Uh, again, really need to factor in that defence. How do you want to strategize with regards to trading into that throughout you know, rounds four, round five, round six, round seven, what do you want to do? Is it you want to chop down with regards to, you know, I want to go down to a couple of 190k defenders? Well, then that actually might not actually be possible. So, you know, you need, really need to think out that strategy and how you want to play in uh, in trading those players up or trading them down. You know, you're taking a guess. So I would I would recommend going through that defender list and just highlighting a few players that you think they can play early in the season, uh, and, and I'm talking, you know, uh, Josh Sin type territory. I'm not talking the Will Gould type territory. So for me, I, you know, the, it's very limited. So for what I think is going to happen, that's going to put a bit of a restriction on what we can do with regards to our trades. So uh, for that, uh, keep an eye out on AFR Ratings Twitter feed for any information, and good luck with your roster build for round one. And obviously, uh, on behalf of Jepper and I, good luck for the the season. I hope you all do well and challenge for the car. Jep, final word. Yeah, uh, stay strong and enjoy. Thanks, guys.